Welcome to Housebroken, true stories of renovation, romance, and regret. This is episode 10. Oh, the first podcast of 2020. Yeah, the holidays are behind us, Christmas, New Year's, whatever. Oh, and yeah, my daughter's birthday, which she hates having in December. She was born, well, her due date was Christmas Eve. And I have to tell you, I uh, I gained 75 pounds with that pregnancy. And when we walked into church that year for Christmas Eve for Midnight Mass, we looked not unlike the Holy Family. Mark had a beard. I was like uber pregnant. And if someone would have offered me a ride up the aisle on a donkey, I would not have passed it up. I, I didn't really plan this baby thing out. I I did not want to have a baby in winter. I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen like right away. I thought it would take us maybe a year to get pregnant. For all my sexually active life, I had been trying to prevent pregnancy. I had put up all these barriers to keep Mr. Sperm away from Ms. Egg. I used a cervical cap. I used a diaphragm. I used this horrible foam, uh, you know, and, and now I was supposed to put out the welcome mat. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Stay a while. In our birthing classes, we were told that we were given these incentive packages. Like if we delivered our child and left the hospital, Within eight hours, we would get a free set of cookware, diaper service for a year, a cleaning service, and I was totally convinced that I was going to be walking out of that hospital with an armful of cookware along with a baby. They just sort of mentioned this depression that would follow giving birth to a baby. They called it the baby blues, which made it sound like there should be songs. Nobody ain't getting any lovin' or low down and sleep deprived. I mean, I know it wasn't my fault I had to have a C-section. She was in fetal distress. They had to get her out lickety split. When the doctor told me I was going to have a C-section, I was like, oh no, I lost out on the cookware. I had a hospital stay of five days. And it was, it was nice, but it was also unnerving. The hospital was so clean. How could I bring a baby to our house, which was really more of a danger zone than a home? We left the hospital, and on the way home, I thought to myself, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe the elves came and finished the nursery. Her nursery was supposed to be something that would, that would like, give her solace and comfort and, and spur creativity. Instead, it it just looked more like a mash unit. The changing table was a plank of plywood on milk crates. We got a used crib. It had come from an orphanage. There were still holes in the plaster. There was a big crack in the ceiling. There was a big pile of pieces of molding that Mark hadn't quite gotten to. How come our mice aren't like the ones in the Walt Disney movies? How come they aren't finished carpenters? or seamstresses. You lied to me, Walt Disney. You lied. I put her in her orphanage crib. 
and Mark left for work. And you know that feeling of when you start a new job and maybe you kind of fudged your resume and you're really not that qualified to do the job and you figured like, oh, well, I'll just learn as I go. Yeah, magnify that by a hundred and you pretty much got the idea. What made me think that I could be in charge of another human? I I couldn't even be in charge of myself. I looked down at her in her little orphan crib and she she seemed so perfect. I'm going to really screw this up. Hadn't I screwed it up already? I mean, I didn't even, like, do the birth thing right. And I just I just started to cry. I'm so sorry I had to bring you home to this house. It's such a mess. I'm sorry that I wanted the free cookware more than I wanted you. Well, that's not really true. I mean, I do want you, but I don't know what I want. And then she started to cry. And we were both crying. So I reached in and I picked her up and she still cried. And then I looked at her diaper and no, it wasn't. No, that wasn't it. And I thought, well, maybe I need to feed her, but she wouldn't latch on to my cracked and bleeding nipple. I mean, could I blame her, really? And I thought, I mean, I could tell the difference between the dog's barks. I mean, her someone's in the yard bark is a lot different from I want to play bark. But I haven't got a clue when it comes to you. I don't know what you want. I walked around with her and held her and she screamed into my left ear. I'm surprised I can hear out of it. When Mark came home from work, it was like three in the morning. I mean, such are the weird hours of show business. He poked his head into the door. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? Oh, I'll tell you how it's going. Breastfeeding? No. Truth be told, I hate it. When I hold her on my lap, I have these staples in my abdomen. It feels like I'm being disemboweled by a grizzly bear. Oh, fine. I said. She had finally fallen asleep. Mark put the baby in the crib and he slid into the bed next to me. I've been thinking, I said. I felt him kind of wince because me thinking was usually followed by some grandiose plan involving demolition of walls and relocating vent stacks and adding windows where it didn't make sense. Well, to him. Or just, like, can't we just pick up the house and move it to San Francisco? Okay, you've been thinking, yeah. What? What about? Uh, I said, um, well, it's, it's this this motherhood thing. Um, it's not really, I, I don't think it's working out for me. Like, can't we just take her back and leave her in the lobby of the hospital? (laughs) He laughed. I wasn't being funny. Or, or... How about this? I just, I just leave. I just go away. I mean, she's small. She'll never even remember me. You can keep the house. You can keep the dog. You can keep the ficus tree. I'll just take, you know, a few things, some toiletries, and I'll just leave. I mean, you'll probably remarry. I just think it will be better for all of us. He rolled over and propped his head up on his, on his elbow. And he's like, um... You know, maybe you need to go talk to somebody. Oh, like who? I said. Uh, maybe like a mental health professional? Now, I would have been insulted if I hadn't been so sleep deprived. 
So tell me what's going on. She had that look of a high school English teacher, the kind who would have brought Simon and Garfunkel albums to class for discussion. I would have thought I would have been the only person in the room with her. You know, since I was the one with the so-called problems. But she had insisted Mark needed to be there and to bring the baby. Uh, well, I said, it's just been really kind of hard. Of course it's hard. She unbuckled the baby from her car seat. Can I hold her? She asked Mark. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, they're kind of talking between themselves about how big the baby is and how cute her little onesie with the duckies is. And I I feel like I'm just talking to the potted plant. Well, Dr. Philodendron, it's, it's like this. It's just all take, 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 and I have... I have nothing left to give, give, give. She smelled the top of the baby's head. Oh, I just love that baby smell. Like she was a new car or something. And she she quickly kind of turned to me and she's like, so how are you adjusting? Oh, me? Adjusting? You know, I think it would be nice right now to be in a coma. And then I could have everything done for me. Bathing, feeding. I could just lay there. And not have to do a thing. And I noticed that the therapist kind of gave Mark that that look. Like, oh, you, you deserve better. That look. Um, well, I kind of feel like she's sucking the life out of me. I said. I mean, she just cries. Well, all babies cry. Yeah, I said, but... She cries so hard, her face looks like a turnip. And then when I try to breastfeed, I feel like there's like thousands of knives poking into my chest. And my skin feels like it's too tight and I I just want to rip it off. Well, that's just the milk coming in, she said. She says, well, do you pump? I'm like, pumping makes me feel like a cow. Yes, well... But if you did that, then your husband could help feed the baby. No, no, he couldn't. She raised one eyebrow in that way the therapists do. That means go on. I said he works all the time and he's never home. And besides that, I I don't like the way he feeds the baby. I I don't like the way diapers are. It's too gappy. I I feel like I have to do everything, you know, to overcompensate for the the C-section because failure. She looks at Mark. She's like, oh, well, what kind of work do you do? Well, he told her that he worked in the not-so-glamorous world of backstage show business. Oh, she wanted to know if he had seen anybody famous. Oh, well, he says, if you call uh, Tony Bennett, Joan Rivers, and Aretha Franklin famous, then yeah, all the time. Oh, I love Joan Rivers, she said. Like, is Tony Bennett nice? He just seems like he'd be so nice. Mark and the therapist continued talking like they were two 15-year-olds in a cafeteria and gossiping. I just resumed my session with Dr. Phil, a dendron. Sometimes I just like go into the bathroom and close the door and sit there and cry. I just feel so overwhelmed. I, I just... And there's just no escape. I mean... The house is a disaster. I I feel like I can't, I feel like I'm just, 
I'm just... <sighs> Mark was telling the therapist about the time I brought the baby into his work to visit. And he was doing a show with Squeeze. And they were all, oh, we miss our baby. Can we hold her? Can we hold the baby? You know, and I'm like, yeah, you can take her on tour as far as I'm concerned. I felt so guilty about even thinking that thought. She asked where we lived. Mark told her the address. I don't think she knew where it was. And he said, oh, we, we bought this old house and we're in the process of renovating it, restoring it to its former grandeur. And she was like, oh, I love old houses. No, no, you don't love old houses. You love the idea of an old house. Have you ever found anything interesting inside the walls? You know, people are always finding like, oh, I don't know, like old newspapers or bottles. Well, Mark told her about that, those clothes we found after we found out that the wood-burning stove had been vented into an abandoned laundry chute. <laughs> oh, she thought that was so cute. Oh, I'd love to see it when you get it all finished. Yeah, me too. She announced that our time was up and she handed the baby back to Mark. Because, obviously, he was the better parent. And she turned to me and she's like, you know, you have a wonderful husband. You have a beautiful baby. She helped Mark zip the baby into her little bunting. You should treasure every moment. It goes by so fast. Really? I said. Is that a promise? You can always go to my website for more information about me or the podcast. And I've posted some pictures about certain projects, just so you know that I'm not making this all up. Oh, and one more thing, FYI. Uh, last year, I told a story at one of the Moth storytelling events. If you don't know what the Moth is, just Google it. And I won Best Story of the Night. And then I went on to the championship round in December. And guess who won of that? That would be me. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome, if I do say so. So go to my website. There'll be a link where you can see the video of me telling the winning tale of the evening. I'm not going to watch myself, but you can. So until next time. Please subscribe to the podcast. It's free. It's just a way for me to know how many people are listening or actually care. 